This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If we start the defense, Griffin, yeah. they kind of had a great game plan for Cliff. I think there was a nice element of the, the two sort of ju- uh, duking it out. Cliff let down by his player's execution. That is also his responsibility as a coach. But his some of his ideas were there, right? But I think right. obviously... Especially, especially in the opening script, and then it fades. But... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm that's sorry, a, that's always been a bit of a Cliff thing. No, no, I'm laughing because it's very true. It fell off a cliff. Yes, uh, the king's be- the king was buried. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, <laughs> so well, I was gonna was hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, I thought I was the funny guy, and I thought you were the straight man. So why yeah, are you? True. Because remember, That's... I'm the I'm the comedy guy. Ah. So Maddie, let's save the jokes for me. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Um, anyway, anyway, we're tight, getting... tight. Cut this bit out. Griff doesn't want to come off like a diva. Cut this out. All right, cool. Right, thanks, Ty. Okay, so what was nice about this was, and it you know evokes past Ken Norton Jr. approaches to Arizona <coughs> when when they're having success was there was a lot of them being able to get their outside linebacker dropping to the right area now. Clint Hurt also mentioned that they went into this game expecting a lot of formation into the boundaries. So that's where you have the uh, offense aligning more players into the short field. So why they do that? Well, creates better angles, but it also, there's less room there. So maybe they come back across the field, but also it creates room outside if you want to run away from it. There's, there's many reasons for that. He also mentioned they expected four strong quads kind of formations and a word he called bingo, which I think is what they called uh, quads, which would make sense given a bingo drop is like dropping in that manner, kind of. So, Griff, yeah, do, did you see that too? The the, the outside linebacker dropping in in a nice fashion. Yeah, um, you, you know when when they get four receivers to one side, or even when it's not, and they get three receivers to one side. Um, 
you know, the offense is flooding the defense, so the defense wants to be able to flood them back and get numbers so that they're not outnumbered to one side of the field. So um, we saw a lot of, you know, that that principle that we've talked about in, in past episodes here where they drop the outside linebacker to the same side of the nickel um, or even when you're when you're in um, even when you're in uh, uh, base personnel, um, dropping the the strong side outside linebacker. Um, and that's essentially you're, you're just getting numbers to where to where the receivers are. So a lot of the RPOs that they do, um, it's uh, if, if they're if they're throwing a bubble out there, you've got and, and there's three blockers, you can get three bodies on each blocker and then somebody's running free to go tackle the player. And a lot of those um, screens and swing passes, um, they didn't go for a lot of yards. They might have nickel and dimed them a little bit, but all the explosives like that they've the defense has been giving up was vanished this game. Um, and I think that when they're in that uh, 5-1-5 look or even 3-4, true 3-4 look personnel, um, even though you can be in danger of getting your outside linebacker walked out and, and forming an overhang with a guy that's 250 plus, um, they're also letting now, that go ahead on that point as well. Griff, they flashed a, a, a tiny bit of having the nickel was the second edge rusher, but playing bear to avoid right. that, like they ran against the Giants, which is cool to see. And I, I imagine if it had been a closer game, we'd have seen that crop up a bit more. So like you said, you don't really want a 250-pound dude doing that, but you want to run Burn, you want to have Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks out there. How would you do that? Well, take the 250, one of the 250-pounders off. Right. And, and and But so back to when they were in the, the 5-1-5 looks or 3-4 or, uh, looks, um, even though that could work against them, they were using it so that it worked for them, and they made sure that they rotated week down with Ryan Neal so that that drop wasn't, that guy wasn't one of three underneath droppers. He was one of four underneath droppers. Um, and, and it's really just getting, it's very simple. You're just getting numbers in the right place. And that was kind of their, their early game RPO answer. Um, and, and the run element of RPO was, was Murray. It, it was like an empty um, uh, RPO proposition. And then when he, when the read meant keep, it meant take off, the defensive line just in every facet dominated wow. the Cardinals offensive line. I mean, just absolutely, even like you, like you posted um, a clip or, or a screenshot, even when Cardinals have the right scheme and the right, you know, the angles, the numbers and everything, they, Nwosu was a two for one player, Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, they're all two for one players on the, on the weak side of those runs. So it was just uh, kind of hilarious to watch. Oh, it was marvelous, absolutely marvelous. Um, Puna is, I think, the player who's, pro, you know, embraced this new, the new techniques up front or the old techniques, the the reversion to what they were doing in twenty twenty one the most in a way. Because like, I mean, they've all benefited, but he was lost playing this kind of mirror stepping, like passive read and react uh, deal, but now. As a three technique, he's, I mean, and the Cardinals offensive line is poor, right? But he's just dominating guys. And even as a four eye, and you've put it in the notes, Puna having a split leg stance when he's a four eye, I think that 
so when we're talking about here on the inside of the tackle and Seattle still does use this uh, inside of the tackle alignment rather than three technique on the outside shoulder of the guard, they use it in bare fronts when they have a tight end to their side, for example, or mm-hmm. perhaps to pr- protect, say, a nickel on the edge or perhaps a quarter safety behind them. So the quarter safety is kind of expected to fit in the run a bit more. And so to buy him time, they use a four eye. But even now, like when when Puna's aligned on the inside shoulder of a tackle, that split that stance is almost like it's so he can step into it a bit more. It's not a power step, but he's more come into balance in that lateral step. But it's much more powerful than what we saw when he was doing the old way. And it seemed the old way. He was lining up like, like one yard off the ball. He wasn't lining up properly yeah. in the and, trenches. And you know, for and I think it's very specific to him because he he's very, you know, dense and compact and everything, but he just doesn't have the raw mass to, to anchor on, I guess, certain looks. So it's letting him kind of literally game like physics, gain more, more momentum and pack a bigger punch so that he can engage the block better. Um, I really feel like a lot of this, you know, more on average, more three techniques than more four, I four techniques, because I, I really wonder part of it isn't just, the alignment and then the post snap techniques they're playing, but how they are reading their keys, letting them process faster and then play faster. Cause when you're a three technique, you're, you're heavier on the guard, right? With your eyes than you are the, the, the tackle. So you are letting whatever the guard does inform your play. They ran counter and maybe they were just game plan the crap out of them. Um, but you know, they ran um, not power. Sorry. They ran counter to the weak side, right? A lot this game. And anytime that guard left, it's like, all right, I know exactly what I'm doing. And they just, they whooped that, that right tackle, you know, endlessly every time. Um, and they just, cause they knew exactly what was coming. Um, so I, I really wonder if, you know, if it's also helping their ball get off when it's a pass, when it's a drop back, when they're the same front, I don't know. I don't know, but they're, it's just, they've, there's this huge downstream effect and it's all of its positives. So it's pretty cool yep. to see. And watching the broadcast when Kyla Murray did check the ball down, we suggested uh, in our live tape reaction that that was a symptom of Seattle's coverage actually doing well. And the tape did confirm that there was nothing open deep. Uh, there was a few kind of away from the fast three. So Seattle in middle field open, they've pushed their coverage with the fast three to that side, there's a few of those where Seattle should have perhaps, uh, not Seattle, Kyler should have thrown the backside dig or there may have been an opportunity to, but then like that's the coverage yeah. and he didn't. So like they're disguising well, they're doing they're doing well. And I thought um, in, in the passing downs, well, actually, no, Drift, you, you saw the same, right? The, the deep coverage was removing stuff and they were, kind of over the check down as well it was pretty much just kyla's legs yeah uh the way that they're matching those those deeper patterns um you know a lot of coaches on twitter talk about getting layers on defense um you know they're the offense is trying to get like stretching elements of of the 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 zone like vertically you know get, get three routes going and so that means if you've got um two layers of defense and you've got three layers of offense, then someone is getting high load, um, whether it's at the third level, second level or, or first level. So Seattle, just the way that they're relating to 
you know, relating to the routes, letting the backfield um, distribution inform like where they can push, where they can't push. Like if, if you if you take screenshots of them, like with a lot of these plays and some of the concepts Cliff was throwing out, they were pretty involved, I'd say. Um, and you took a screenshot, you've got literally like a, a line of like 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 a uh, eclipse almost of Quandre on top of Brooks on top of Ryan Neal and they're all 10 yards apart because um, that's where the routes are and they're just they're not letting their players get high load and it's everyone each individual playing their rule their rule right um, so it's just it's 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 really like last year when they were just defending anything and everything downfield um, so yeah it's happening it's uh, happening now the th- is happening uh the third down as well if i feels uh, i saw it last week as well but they're now they're now they've sorted their stuff out they're disguising a bit more obviously well not obviously that's the wrong word but they're they're disguising more often and in different ways and it's really the layering of the, the each coverage into the disguises really starting to show work yeah yeah um and and the the calls that they trotted out there they weren't very like hyper specific to arizona's personnel like it wasn't we have a hopkins game plan here because they've definitely had games where it felt like they've game planned a specific receiver this didn't feel like that this felt like they were more game planning maybe murray where his eyes were gonna go and where they weren't gonna go um but they they were comfortable in every call because they played quarter quarter half which is cover six half quarter quarter which is cover eight they played a little bit of cover one um a good amount of cover three um and they were willing to put their guys on islands with hopkins they were willing to you know they weren't really concerned with robbie anderson now these guys are just getting going right in arizona because they've just either a new team or getting back from suspension but those guys are still dudes and they didn't act like they were dudes so um now is the is that tremendous trust in Tariq Woolen? Is that tremendous trust in Mike Jackson and the safeties to do their part? Or is it uh, maybe should they have game planned them a little bit and they got, I don't know, maybe they got lucky? I mean, I, that's not how I see it, but I don't know. What, what, how did you perceive how they, how they um, accounted for their receiving threats? Yeah, I saw the same things as you. Which, I mean, boring for the podcast, but it, that's what happened. And Woolen, in particular, had a great game. Obviously, he got beat on that Ertz touchdown, which we spoke about in the, the post-game reaction. You could analyze that from the broadcast copy. But Pete mentioned how he varied his press technique, and that really did show up. And for the yeah. first time, we saw Woolen using... A quick jam, which is where you jam rather than using your feet first and then bringing the hands, you literally punch at the line of scrimmage immediately and then work back to stay on top. And Woolen was able to do that in middle field close, so cover three, well, only cover three, one cover one rep. And he was able to do it from outside leverage where he'd use his uh, outside arm and then snatch to stay on top. And he was able to do it in inside leverage and use his inside arm, although that was more in middle field open stuff. But it was just really cool how he used that change up. He obviously had press bail and he had his, his usual soft shoe, like kick slide out 
technique. So testament to Carl Scott's work with him, that he's already at this stage. But also that quick jammer really gets hands on guys quick. And it's a real good change up. And it's probably the most physical thing in his in his toolkit right now. And Hawkins didn't like that. <laughs> like so that really works. Right. Uh, Drift we should just to finish with the defense, we should mention that a Chen and Nuosu had an astonishing game in pass coverage, pass rush, run defense, everything. The, the, the guy did everything. I mean, there are situations where anyone in Nuosu's shoes should be screwed, and he single-handedly was was riding was riding the ship um, in a lot of those looks, like having two pullers and sidesteps the first one, dips under the second, and gets one hand on Kyler Murray, and he like tornadoes around, and, and the next guy can rally and, and, and play it. Um, also, a lot of though, like a lot of those weak side runs, um, what really helped though was the second level getting leverage on those blocks, forcing the ball back, and that let everyone else rally. So even though like they're not making the play, they're 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 kind of preventing the explosive run, and then everyone up front is then preventing the the six to the four to six yarder, and they're turning into zero to two yarders. So. It was really good collective team defense and the fact that they didn't have a lot of specific things planned for like um, schematic actions like, you know, like run oriented defending stunts or fire zones or, you know, being a certain fronts for it. Right. I think that means that they all collectively focused within those fronts to defend the run really well. Like we have to be super aware of, these, aware of this. Like these are our indicators. You know, we have to overplay it. Um so I, I think like that was kind of um, it, it allowed them to live in the coverages they wanted to live in. So and it hinged on defending the run well out of out of this stuff because on paper they weren't necessarily sound for it, but you become sound for it when you're more you know the players individually are prepared for it. So um, whatever it did, it worked. You know. Um, one thing, one thing else I want to bring up on the defense, though, talking about how uh, Tariq Woolen, if they're going to trust him with Hopkins, and we've got another game coming up where he's going to have Mike Evans out on the perimeter. If you don't have to distribute surplus or whatever you want to call it, extra resources to defending the sideline when you've got a guy out there like that, if you can work with the assumption that Tariq Woolen can just handle it, that means you can play quarters to his side whenever you want that means you can play cover three to his side or not to his side cover three collectively whenever you want and then that lets you lean further into how you want to handle who is your overhang slash adjuster to that side and then who also is the fourth rusher who's the seventh dropper like that whole game when you've got that assurance that gives you so much more flexibility um, cause everything is like you plug one hole and it leaves another hole somewhere else. It's like whack-a-mole, mm-hmm. right? That's With, defense. Yeah. That's defense. So if, if you can work with some base assumptions that, okay, we're good here. That means it's like, that's a, a pivot point. Then you can swing your arm out however you want in, in other areas. So if Tariq Woolen is giving the coaching staff that much confidence, I mean, that's huge. Um, moving forward and it's indicative of how much confidence they, they have in him and the dude's a fifth round rookie who was incredibly raw so just even more to your point about the work carl scott's doing with him so and pete carroll was saying this he was like carl's doing a lot of work with these rookies like they're really coming along further along than they thought they would so yep and also shelby harris had a good game as well yeah 
Yeah. I mean, they just, the whole D line really bullied the heck out of him. Bruce was good again. Yeah. I mean, Bruce is a, he's a good player. Um, dude's 35 and he's a good player. So, didn't take part in today's techno Thursday. So, uh, yeah. Respect the, and the, that. the, the Germans love techno, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. They were all very upset about that. Yeah, he's Bruce Irvin not really endearing himself to our friends across the pond. He'll need to work on that. No. no. 